So here's a really weird idea I had. Let's say they do a collaboration with like Jack A. Drow. Rather than making a swatch that looks like a Jack A. Drow, what they do is they take some of the really popular limited editions and then they make a Jack A. Drow that looks like a swatch. So it's like, rather than being the plastic cheap thing from, you know, 1991, it's that same thing, but like an actual enamel, like a ceramic case, really, really nice. There's a lot of iconic designs and wonderful things there that I think people will be willing to pay for in nice version rather than in cheap version. Greetings and welcome to this week's A Blog to Watch Weekly. David, Ariel, how are you both this morning? I'm between trips. Uh, tomorrow, this time, I will be getting ready to go to Florida. Uh, I will be diving with Tudor. Um, and I'm also going to be taking this really crazy iPhone case underwater. It's just like $500 um, underwater housing. And if all works out well, I will probably get some really awesome underwater wrist shots. So that's the goal. Let's make sure it works out well. Because that's one of the things, like, you know, we all love wrist shots. David has his loom shot fetish. I have like underwater shot fetish. It's really rare <laughs> to even have a chance to do it. You know what I mean? It's hard to do. So like, I'm... I'm super pumped about this, and um, anyone out there who's played with these cases and know th knows that taking pictures underwater with your phone is a, it's, it's a not straightforward process. So that's what happens if it goes right. If it goes wrong, what happens? Uh, well, if it goes really wrong, your <laughs> iPhone is destroyed. Uh, if it goes not so wrong, basically just the pictures are bad. I mean, one of the things that's just crazy is the phone basically wants to turn off and you can't really touch it. So this one has like a Bluetooth system, which talks to it and an app and you can't really use the native software. It's like you have to put it on, on airplane mode. Like this is like all this insane things you need to do just to take your, 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 your camera phone underwater, um, you know, take pictures. So it's not as simple as putting in a case. There's like a bunch of weird engineering things you have to think about. I mean, the, the I remember the original like cameras you would take underwater, the little portable ones, not like SLRs packed in big cases. It was just like a little screw down plastic case, like the way you would in the olden days take an underwater, a watch underwater. You just put it in a really big case. Y you're sounds... right. You're right. I, I mean, there are underwater cameras and things like that. As we know, uh, there are very few of them where you can just, you know, put the camera right up to uh, your watch and take a picture basically with, you know, no minimal focal distance. So if you have any experience with those underwater point and shoots, you know that um, while you can operate it easier, getting a good wrist shot is another sort of complicated thing, which uh, I'm sure. So there's really it, it's again, it's one of those like weird camera challenges is like go underwater and take a wrist shot. Like it's one of those silly things. So, David, tell us about your loom shot fetish, as Ariel describes it. <sighs> uh, it's just fun, you know. It's, uh, it, it, David. It's... David looks wistfully to his left and up, thinks about all the loom shots the he's days. made. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting loom in the dark alone. <laughs> Nothing better. Uh, honestly, uh, I still have it in the sense that whenever I walk outside and I know it's charged and I walk into like a staircase or whatever and it's dark, I always check the loom on my watches every single freaking time. Loom appreciation is like uh, a big thing for me uh, for whatever reason. So it's impossible to watch. I just taught my watch. son about yeah. ultraviolet light and what that can do to it. 
Yeah, I need like like a rocket launcher size UV light, like that you can just blast the watch with. <laughs> That's what I want. Cool. It's it's very true though. There is something deeply satisfying about a day loom shot, just as you go from the sunlight just into a slight bit of shade as you walk through your front door and notice that your watch is shining. It's like it's it's like it's speaking to you, going, "I'm still here. Just remember me. Don't don't forget. Don't keep using your <laughs> iWatch. Use me to tell the time." <laughs> I can also light up in the dark. No, I, I, I would never, ever, ever, ever get um, a smartwatch to replace my daily watches, honestly. Sometimes I'm tempted to get one for, like, when riding the bike or, or whatever, especially now that always on displays are the thing. But, but yeah, loom shots all the way. Well, let's uh, crack on with some discussion. So, first up this week, it has been it's been a, a week of... of Swatch news, but we're going to start with the old Swatch news. And David, you had uh, trailed this a few weeks ago, but you've had your grinding gears having second thoughts about not flipping my moon swatch. And I want to know has this article got even more full of regret now that the swatch? Blank pun. The Swifty Fathoms, as we are calling it, has now been released. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the the real issue I have with the whole thing is that you know at the time flipping a watch was just flat out considered to be bad. I mean, at least in my eyes, it was it was a, it was a dubious thing. It was a lowly thing to do, to to cue something, to be given the chance to buy something, and then to flip it for a profit, um, because this whole exercise was inherently linked to luxury watches and watches that people aspire to own for years and then, you know, they keep for life or whatever. And never, uh, at least since I've been in the hobby, because I heard that, you know, Swatch was a hot thing in the 80s, um, was attached to a plastic watch um, for a couple hundred dollars that was selfless thousands, you know? So um, that was a new exercise. And I've, at the time, felt like it's really not the right thing to do to sell it or to flip it because it would just add to the flippers market or whatever else. But now, again, in hindsight, and this is what the article is about, uh, I'm having uh, second thoughts about that. Ariel, do you own a moon swatch? No. No. So not tempted to buy one, let alone not tempted to flip it if you did have it. I wouldn't wear it. I can sell you one for three grand if you want. <laughs> That's a very generous offer, David. I mean, look, it's it's a plastic version. It's like the toy version of something that I know the real thing of. Like, if you've already played, if you're already driving a real pickup truck, do you do you get excited by the Tonka version? Like, not really. So Ooh, for, I don't know about that. I think that's I think it's a bit of a stretch. You gotta no, always I get mean, excited about the Tonka version. It's like Lego. Still excited by the Lego. I, I don't know. Bugatti. I, as well Honestly, as the one the, I have in the drive. The, the 50 obviously. Fathoms one interests me a little bit more. I I just, I've had so many plastic watches. I've had swatches. I know exactly what the experience is. The look to me was not enough. Of course, everyone knows like popularity and all that trendy stuff doesn't have any effect on me. So I don't really care. Um, but it just, it didn't, it wasn't new enough. It was like, okay, if I was just starting out and I never had a lot of Speedmaster experience, I'd be like, okay. But like, I have so much freaking Speedmaster experience, like, I don't need the plastic version, too. So, for me, it was a very good watch for them, but for me, as an enthusiast, like, I, and again, there's different people on the team that have a totally different opinion. David really loved his, and I was never, like, you know, thinking he was wrong, but that's the beauty of the uh, of this hobby, is that we each have a very personal experience, and while we can all agree it's a cool thing and it was successful, not everybody wants one. Well, I, I like it. I, it was a fun thing to have for the first week, um, but I, 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 I've never worn it since, so it's in the box. 
That's just because of all the attention you got to watches and wonders. It's just hysterical. Moon swatch on one wrist, 30 grand, you see Nardan on the other. All anybody wanted to see was yes. the moon swatch. Yes, we <laughs> talked about it at the time. Yeah, I was wearing the the, yeah. the super awesome Skeleton X from Moody Nardan with an open work movement and a silicon hairspring and all the rest of it. Uh, beautiful, beautiful watch with a carbon gold case and people were asking about the plastic watch because it had a blue dial and it was just released actually a day or two before Watches and Wonders, I think. And there was a guy yeah. who seriously contemplated that we could maybe somehow strike a deal for his Tiffany Dial Oyster Perpetual 36, which is, which is hysterical. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Ariel, have you ever have you ever bought a watch or owned a watch that you've regretted not just flipping? Have you ever bought something that actually you could have sold quite quickly, and actually you look back and you go, "I really should just have got rid of that because I, I don't wear it anymore." I'm sure everyone has those experiences, but we know that you know just because vision is 2020 in hindsight, you have no way of knowing. There's plenty of watches that you buy that you definitely regret. Uh, or don't regret not selling. So you, you, you don't know. I, I think that if you get enough watches, you'll, you'll feel this way once in a while. I think the enduring lesson is buy watches you want to wear. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, I've enjoyed wearing the moon swatch that I've got, I have to say. It's now looking a bit scratched up, uh, as is the way of it, because fundamentally it's cheap plastic with a very expensive brand on it. And I suppose that leads us neatly into this week's launch. We speculated a little bit last week. What do we think? I, I'm not going to do a hit-miss maybe on on the Blanc Pan a 50 Fathoms swatch, but what do you actually think? Is it, uh, is it what you expected? Better, worse, indifferent? Interesting. Just for the record, I think it's good to know that um, it's important to note that the uh, there's the Swatch Blumpon watches are selling from six hundred and fifty, six hundred twenty-five dollars, in fact, on Chrome twenty-four that I'm looking at. So that's where the prices start for the for some of the uglier ones. Relatively, I mean, it's that subjective, but for some reason, it's the green and orange, the orange and the yellow versions that are selling for this much, and the blue starts at nine hundred. So, which is still ridiculous because it's the same watch, but it costs you know like forty percent more. Um, so anyway, it's not, we are not seeing what we used to see with the Moonswatch that one day after its launch, it was selling for two and a half, three thousand, however much um, it's selling for, you know, still a considerable amount. I mean, three, four hundred dollars to be made on a plastic watch in one day. That's, that's pretty good. There's yeah. a favorite statement, <laughs> what, price what and request. Watch? Get out of here. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, <laughs> I will have to see how I feel at the I mean, moment. It's, it's a cool thing. It's um, it's I, I I think it's relatively close to the original in terms of design, in terms of aesthetics, so to speak. But uh, I can sense even just from the pictures all the plastickiness of it, which is which is a, yeah. not a not a good thing. I don't remember what brand it was, but about ten years ago, somebody came out with a yellow cased watch or it was basically black and yellow that was very similar to the 50 fathoms it was basically meant to be an expect version it was um i think it cost like 120 dollars or something like that i i it's gonna take me a little while to remember what it was um but i remember at the time thinking like oh cool a cheap looking 50 fathoms that's sort of fun and easy to wear and you know it, at the time no one thought anything of it or seemed to care um it's interesting how some of these things require other 
watches to come out first to um, legitimize or validate the concept before everyone gets excited about it. So the Swatch Omega first had to come out, and that sort of opens up the market to understanding these, because if this one came out first, it could have easily just been like, what the hell is that? And it makes me wonder, and I love your opinion, what was so special about the Omega and Swatch one that allowed this type of we'll call it a collaboration, even though it's not really because it's in the group, uh, to, to make sense to consumers. <sighs> I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? The thing is... I, I don't, uh, do, do you agree that if they start with oh, a blog uh, pond, yeah, it wouldn't yeah, have been that exciting? So. Unless, I mean, you, you saw all the cues for the original. You saw all the cues for this one. I don't think most of the people in the cues for these watches heard about these watches through watch media or because they were in the mailing list of swatch stores they heard about it from somewhere else they heard about it from the hype beasts and the gqs and wherever people gather sneaker culture hmm. so i wonder if if those media groups had been on the inside and the first one had been Blanc Paul, I think it maybe would have had a similar reaction. It wouldn't have been as strong and it would have been even more confusing to the watch media as why on earth are you doing this? With, but we, we would probably all have been saying, why did you not start with the Speedmaster? Why did you start with the 50 Fathoms if they had started with the 50 Fathoms? But it's obviously built up ahead of steam that people think they can make a quick buck. I mean, there was right. videos of people literally coming out of the store. There's one I saw, I think a lot of people have seen it. Guy comes out of the Swatch store with five of them and then goes to the guys sitting, having their coffee at the, the you know, the, for the new one. Th folk, this is for the, for the sitting, new one? Having their coffee under really? their umbrella hmm. in the, you know, nice coffee store with their croissant and the guys going up and selling them straight to them for like $100 more. Basically, they were paying not to have to queue. So it was a really quick return. So it's basically like, here, small child, go and queue for me. And here's £10 for your time. Uh, while they sat back and quaffed this their espresso of the morning. Uh, so it was all a bit weird. So I don't know. I, I don't know whether... I don't know whether they can pull this off again. I assume they'll try. They're going to have to. I think they're going to have to. How else are they going to get some of these, you know, sleeper luxury brands in the Swatch Group moving again? I mean, we know that compared to LVMH um, and even Richemont, some of Swatch Group's higher-end brands uh, simply aren't getting the traction uh, that they probably need. So uh, we were actually—I was joking about this uh, in New York, actually, with people. We're like, "What's going to be next?" <laughs> yeah. I thought it'd be funny to do the the Harry Winston one. Fake diamonds uh, in it. Put diamonds. Put diamonds in it, right? <laughs> Um, you know, for, for women, but, uh, you know, Glasuta yeah. Original, sure, why not? Uh, maybe even Longines, <laughs> Breguet, obviously you could do something. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's Jack A. Drow, sure, you know, I don't know there's going to be a singing bird, but there'll be something. We as watch guys understand that the 50 Fathoms is an iconic watch. We understand that the Speedmaster is an iconic watch. Mm. What other brands within Swatch Group have iconic watches within them that aren't Omega and Blancpain? 
I mean, the Rado Captain, the Rado Captain Cook already looks like a <coughs> a Swatch watch <coughs> in certain in a certain light. Lawn jeans, the Hydro Conquest, yes, maybe definitely. Tiso, a T, a Tiso T Touch Swatch. I don't know. I don't know whether they have to go back to. I, I wonder whether they're just going to go back to Omega, and they'll just go back to Omega and do the Seamaster next. That this is actually just about having a break. So here's a really weird idea I had. Let's say they let's say mm-hmm. they do a collaboration with like Jack A. Drow. Rather than making a swatch that looks like a Jack A. Drow, what they do is they take some of the the 1980s and 1990s like mm-hmm. really popular limited editions right okay. and then they make a jack a Drow that looks like a swatch so it's like rather than being the plastic mm-hmm. cheap thing from you know 1991 it's that same mm-hmm. thing but like that an actual enamel like a ceramic case like really really nice <laughs> so it's like a complete so what, what it does is it says yes those original ones are really cheap but good luck trying to get them the collector's items if you want to enjoy uh-huh. that same thing today it has to be in luxury version yes and that actually increases the value of the original ones uh, in a, in a not awkward way, so I thought that that would that could be an interesting thing because there are some of those classic things. But if you are a watch lover, uh-huh. you know that it's hard to wear a lot of swatches. They're loud. They're really fragile. They're not all loud, but the basic ones with the coarse yes. movements they they, they tick really loudly. I don't like that. So. Um, there's a lot of iconic designs and wonderful things there that I think people will be willing to pay for well, in nice version rather than in cheap version. What was the one that they did that they got the to paint the drawing that they then made into a moon swatch, uh, into a swatch rather? What was that called? It was it a, was the pig, pig painted. I, so that, yeah, that doesn't that, surprise uh, me. That picture done as a as a Breggy or a Jackie Drew or a Harry <laughs> Winston. No, I think that's it's interesting. <laughs> I, I I do think that the next one will be Omega. If you were to have a bet. What would be the next brand to get the? I I really like the, the collaboration, Ham- the Hamilton Ventura, but that's not expensive enough in the sense that it starts at like eight or nine hundred and goes up to fifteen hundred. So that's. But we were just talking about iconic Swatch Group brand yeah. watches, and I think that that's pretty cool. I mean, we'll see if they want to do a, you know, a dress watch because if it's a mm. dress watch, I think it's going to be like a Breguet. They could do all kinds of fun things with the hands, you know, the hour numerals. Like they could make. They could make a pretty fun looking kind of like dress watch, but I have no idea if it'll look good or feel good in that plasticness and those colors. Um, I, you know, I, look, I think what we know now is the swatch is asking the same question and they're there experimenting. I would love to see all the prototypes. We probably never will, but wouldn't that be something to see all the different <laughs> concepts and things that they experiment yeah, with? What's your favorite one of all of them? Is, do you have a preference in color? The one in metal. Uh, the the blog, one in metal. The 50 Fathoms I really like is the yeah. actual 50 Fathoms. I, th- I think they do, I don't know if it's the photos, yep. but they do look much more plasticky yes. than the moon swatches. Because it's a thicker case. I, <laughs> I know, they haven't managed like that, that alchemist trick of making plastic actually look like gold and stainless steel and titanium. That's uh, just letting the side down swatch. I don't know. Fifty Fathoms started like six grand on Chrono Twenty Four, which is mm. which is not that crazy, if I'm honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, they are a low demand product, given how nice they are. The Fifty Fathoms is a beautiful design, and these watches really demonstrate that. So I think that Swatch and Blancpain were correct to emphasize this. But let's not pretend that there's this giant market out there for Fifty Fathoms. I mean, especially this 
particular classic look. I mean, like nerds like us know it, yeah. but the mainstream. Good. No, well, nobody knows. Give us your this. opinions on. It was certainly the most commented article uh, on a blog to watch for a long time. Yay. Well over a hundred. A hundred comments. Uh, it was very good. Yeah, good and job, actually, David. one of the second most commented articles in the past week or so is also one of David's. This is the hands-on with Fortis. You basically got to go and see a rocket being launched, David. Is that right? Yes, with watches strapped to it, uh, which was a lot of fun. This is this was last November. I remember we even recorded. I think I was on location and re- we recorded a show there. Yes. Uh, uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and honestly, I wrote this up three quarters of a year ago, and to reread my own article, because I forgot most of it um, at this point, <laughs> I have just dark memories of Esrange and, you know, this forest in the middle of Arctic Sweden, uh, but the actual report I, I thought was kind of fun, uh, and to relive the whole thing, and uh, it was a very exciting place and a very exciting journey, and uh, I'm not sure why Fortis took quite so long with the launch of the product itself, but here we are and it's happening and it's very cool and honestly it's shocking to me that you can buy one of these watches for 8450 euros it's not like if this is an omega it would be like 38000 or 58000 or just imagine whatever you know amount you want because they actually took a risk in the sense that there was absolutely no guarantee whatsoever that these watches would make it back to earth in one piece. I mean, everyone who was part of this launch and part of this experiment, because there were, I don't know, like a dozen others um, inside this rocket from different companies and fields of work, um, you know, they had to understand that the whole thing could blow up into a million pieces right after takeoff or, you know, just what as it returns or whatever. <laughs> but these freaking watches survived the whole thing. And you can buy one of the 13 ones. So good for Fortis. I think this is this is a very cool story. It was tremendous effort on their part, uh, you know, human effort as well, because they were locked in there for for weeks. And again, the whole thing must have been an absolute, um, uh, you know, gigantic undertaking for them. But yeah, read my article. It's uh, hands on with uh, with this Fortis um, SSC space certification test. Cool story. What did you think of the watch? Do you like it? I, I think it's. It's, I like it because it's different. It's not, it doesn't want to look like anything else. It looks like somebody who's a watch nerd and a, and a watch enthusiast sat down and was like, you know, this is what I like. And that's exactly the guy who runs uh, 45 years now. He's a watch enthusiast. He has a hundred, he's part of a hundred year old family business that's ticking away. And so he had the means to buy Fortis and, and the opportunity and also the courage to do so. And so we went ahead with it. And I, I think this watch, again, is very much is something that looks like one guy's vision. And whether you'll, that aligns with you or not is, is down to your preferences, really. It's a, it's a weird one because it's kind of like a minimalist chronograph. Yeah. But it doesn't feel minimalist. Like it's very, very well done. I'm not sure about the the spacing between the lugs and the case. That's the only thing. I think it does look a bit it does look very seventies, jingly mm-hmm. jangly, but the watch itself does look really attractive. There's no jingliness to this watch. It, it's like it's like a bunker basically. So once you put it on, it's right. it's super solid. Um it's it's one of those watches that which I which is one of my favorite types of watches is that you have to wear it for a long time and you will discover like little details and how things are lining up, you know, why that this and that is not like that and so on. And 
I was wearing it for a couple of days there and even then they had to tell me or point out like little details you know like hey have you seen this have you seen it and I was like no and I'm not sure when I would have noticed that so a lot of thought has gone into the way that it is done and if you want one that was not part of the rocket then it's 5,000 Swiss francs so it's a uh, Honestly, I think it's pretty good value. It's a bit chunky in the sense that, you know, it's like thick um, But it's the proportions are all right. I think it's it's a cool product. It's a good start. Who was the model rocket enthusiast? That's what I want to know <laughs> I think it's the same guy probably Well, I'm just saying like if I, I looking at the pictures and all this I'm like it's not in the sense sort of like a space launch like you think from NASA this is this looks like the top end of enthusiast rockets like if you were building rockets your entire life and you just basically took it to its logical extent that seems like what this entire um and not fortis's thing but this entire rocket program in sweden like that's what it seems like yeah i mean it's 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 actually kind of a, a serious thing because it's been going on f since the 1980s um it's basically called a maser which is a materials science experiment rocket and it's supported by the european space agency and i think it's the the reason for this size is because you can fit still you know number of, so basically you buy sections of this and you can put your experiment in it um you know whatever it's like okay i'm, I'm checking right now it says like scientific experiments that will investigate stem cells for diabetes research to particle research that will provide answers about the origin of planets uh, and durability of wristwatches. It's a, it's a whole bunch of things and I, I'm not sure they have launched like 13, 14, 15 of these over the course of years. Um, so, but as you say, it's not as big as a freaking NASA rocket, but it doesn't have to be either. Yeah, it, it just, it seemed, it seemed cool. The thing looked like it was made out of this kind of like neat metal alloy. It, 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 it just seemed, it just seemed fun because it was, professional enough that it's not a game it's not a toy yes but still kind of like a cowboy enough that yes. you didn't you, yeah you know what i mean you didn't need to have like a giant company behind it and, yeah. and it just seemed kind of neat yeah it's it's 42 feet tall and it's 2.7 tons so something like six thousand pounds um and the flame apparently uh, they said is brighter than the sun and you know the whole thing is just shoots up with it at a pace that you wouldn't believe it and it's up and it's it's wow. really cool to see something go that fast, you know, and that bright. So it's <laughs> they, they were not playing around at all. Uh, I remember, you know, that there were these warnings. We had to take uh, a safety course before we were allowed on the premises. It was a like online thing weeks before we went there, and they said that smoke and sirens can can occur at any time. But most of the time, the smoke <laughs> and the sirens will be perfectly fine. <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, how do you tell apart whether it's bad smoke or good smoke? I guess you will see people running around or something like that. And they literally said that that you don't have to worry if you hear sirens or smoke. And at some point they said like <laughs> radio silence and then you were not allowed to use anything that was wireless. You basically, I was, you know, playing around with the thought of like using my um, wireless like flash, you know, like trigger that you put on your camera. And technically you could fire the rocket with it. So if, you, if there's like a stray signal from, from something uh, that could trigger the, the rocket itself because it's, it's launched with a radio signal. Dave is playing Candy Crush in the corner launching rockets <laughs> by mistake. Just suppose a brain like emergency would set this thing off then. <laughs> you uns unscrew the brain like emergency yeah, thing maybe. and launch a rocket. There you go. <laughs> that would have been a bad day. <laughs> Good stuff. 
great. Uh, Ariel, your thoughts on Fortis as a as a brand in general, up and coming, established, more to come, just as steady as she goes? There's a lot of people that have owned Fortis over the years. It's not a new name. They've had a lot of interesting things throughout history. Um, right now, I think the challenge for them is to decide exactly what part of their personality to emphasize. They're obviously emphasizing this sort of like space thing. Before that, it was cosmonauts, right? But they don't mm. really want to talk about the Russian <laughs> space program right yeah, now. Yeah, back so to wrong I can understand there. that. Um, they're trying to do something different. They have some, you know, a lot of youthful energy. Uh, these are the types of brands that sort of like get us excited. You know, I can't sit there and be like, um, and predict, yeah, can you come to our rocket launch? Like, that's not something I can predict. I can predict like, come to our little penthouse and check out our latest luxury cre- creations. Like that I know. So it keeps us on our toes. It gives us something to talk about. At the end of the day, it just sort of reminds us of this weird merger between timepieces and maybe the hobby we had as a kid of building rockets, shooting rockets, whatever it is. This is what makes uh, makes our juices flow as, as male watch lovers. So give yeah, more 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 of it. That's it's great. Let's uh, play a game, but with slightly differently. This is this is if you like mega. Guess the price of the Seiko. Mega. Mega. Yes. So there have been seven new releases for the one hundred and tenth anniversary of Presage Prospect Astron basically of Seiko wristwatches. So they've launched a slew of watches. Now, I'm going to confuse myself if I try to do guess the price of seven Seikos. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to do the the old Bruce Forsyth. Nobody other than people in the UK will know what on earth I'm talking about. Play your cards right, where we're going to go higher or lower. So there are seven. Go and check out the article on a blog to watch. There are seven releases. There is the Presage Craftsman. Okay, make of that what you will. The Presage Sharp Edge. The Dress Style 60s. An Alpinist, a Speed Timer, an Astron, and a Seiko 5. So I'm going to give you one of these watches. And then you're going to tell me whether the next one is higher or lower. So we'll take it in turns. So we'll start off with the Presage craftsman i'm going to show the gentleman a picture of this watch but you've got to try and not look at the price so here we go so this is the seiko craftsman okay Uh enamel dial all the rest of it this watch is 1250 pounds or 1250 dollars this seiko automatic presage I'm going to ask you, is the Al- there's 1250 I'm going to ask you, is the Alpinist higher or lower? So the Alpinist. David, have a guess. Is the Alpinist... Which one's the Alpinist I'm going again? I'm find you the Alpinist because this is a... There we go. That's the Alpinist there. I've displayed it on the screen for these gentlemen. Is this it's lower Alpinist for sure. higher or lower than $1,250? It's got to be lower. I'm going to also go lower because... I just can't see somebody spending that much for that weird off-centered other crown. Okay, the Seiko Alpinist <laughs> is in fact higher. It is a, oh, it is a whole $50 <laughs> higher at $1,300 over the uh, Craftsman. Okay, oh, okay. this has so, its freaking GMT, that's fine. But the other one has a power, a vindicator, and a date. Yeah, so just there you go. And an enamel dial. 
What can I say? I thought the Alpinist was their cheap thing. All okay, right, so there we go. So that's the Alpinist at $1,300. So my question then is... I was not I... expecting this to be this hilarious this fast. <laughs> I thought that we would get at least a few right. This is going to drag. No. no, no, no. I think this will be okay. I think we'll be okay. So we go from the Alpinist at $1,300 to the Sharp Edge, which I'm now displaying on the screen for the gentleman. This is it's the called S- the sharp yeah, edge now. The SPB413. Is this higher or lower than a $1,300 Seiko Alpinist? It has a wee textured dial, automatic three days, got a date. Higher or lower? Uh, I'm going to go with lower. Okay. Lower. It is, in fact, lower. It is $1,050. Okay, let this... me just let me just be clear. Sharp edges is something we want to avoid on a watch when yeah, touching it, it's, right? It's a bit, it feels like something that's maybe been slightly lost in translation. Like it was <laughs> when it's like, watch out, there's sharp edges. No one's like, oh, I want to wear it. Yeah, so that's that's ten hundred. Well, it's at one thousand and fifty dollars. Okay, let's take it to. The, what is this entire limited edition of all these watches? Like 10,000 well, pieces 2, or something? Well, pieces yes. of that one. So, yeah, they'll never be <laughs> All together. Yeah, uh, who knows? So, let's go to the Seiko Precise Style 60s, the SSK015. So, the previous was $1,050. What is this Precise Automatic GMT? Down, lower. Is this higher or lower, go lower than the previous sharp edge? It's got a GMT, it's got a date, it's got a bezel. Higher or lower? Lower, lower. for Mario? Yes. It is yeah, indeed lower. lower. It is 620. Oh. It's half the price, basically, of Oof. the previous one. Okay. Why? <laughs> Doesn't that have that extra crown, David? Oh, okay. That's a $700 crown. Don't you know that? Okay. <laughs> I guess that explains it. At least. Then we are on... See, there's... Oh, wow. that's a lot of crowns. No, just when you thought there were... Oh, boy. Just when you thought there were no more crowns available, Seiko raided their parts drawer and came up with the Seiko Prospect Speed Timer 1 100th of a second solar chronograph, the SFJ009. Yes. It's probably fair to assume this is going to be higher just because of the number of crowns. You know, they do cost money. But oh yeah, how much higher than a six hundred and twenty-five dollar dress style sixties is this Seiko Speed Timer? Like at least five hundred dollars, at least five hundred dollars. So more. double the price. Yeah, David, double. any advance? Double, double yeah. the price. It's Maybe just under less. double the price. It's just yeah. one thousand and fifty dollars. So if you want bang for your crown buck, this is the way to go. Technically, this has one crown and three pushers. Yeah, I, we, we know. I was just joking because it was like all of a sudden we went from like like two to four. I'm just sure our listeners would be shouting at the at their podcast device. Guys, like, these aren't crowns! We know, we know, we understand. <laughs> I, I understand the concept <laughs> of showing that you can produce a one one hundredth of a second timer. But it's simply not possible for a human being it to use matter. a 1/100th of a second timer like you Speak can't for yourself you, Rick. <laughs> you can't. so i'm curious as to whether anyone has ever been able to use a 1/100th of a second timer in a way that actually vaguely accurately measures anything so if there if there is genuinely some way of using a timer that's any better than 1/10th of a second i'd love somebody to explain the 
scientific experimental process a, on which they managed to use. Uh-huh. On the side of the case or the back, all it needs to say is not for human usage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when they and then you're solid. It's like when they change waterproof to water resistant. <laughs> There's the one one thousandth of a second ones that we can talk yeah. about as well. well. Did Zenith ever come up with that? I remember Zenith producing a case about four years ago where they said, yeah, here's the one-tenth, here's an original Zenith Chronomaster, not Chronomaster, El Primero, and we've left a space in this case because eventually we're going to produce one that's one one thousandth of the second. I don't think that's ever seen the light of day. I don't know. Tag Heuer had a bunch of the weird ones, and those are some of the most exotic movements I frankly I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know how many of those things actually worked. I remember hearing mm. some stories about some of them, like, exploding. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's these springs yes. under such crazy pressures, right? <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> um, I, 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 I believe all of it, but they just... They had this crazy Chronograph Skunks Works program, and we've talked to Guy Simon about it, and he's like, hasn't let out that much. But it's, it's very clear that there's a lot of... Very hilarious moments happening at LVMH during the development of these various chronographs. Someday we'll have to get deeper into those tales. Some mm. kid has the job of just picking up lots of little springs from the floor after every experiment. <laughs> okay, two more to go. The Seiko Astron GPSO or SSJ019. Yeah, we're still doing this game because there's two more left. Is this higher yeah. or lower than the $1,050 speed timer Seiko Astron? Higher. How much higher do we think it is? Uh, about $800, $900 Ooh, more. Very well done. It's $1,900 for wow. a Seiko Astron. And then right down at the bottom, we'll give it its dues because it is cheaper. The Seiko 5 Sports, the SRPK41. This comes in at $425. And my question is... of It's one of the most handsome I ones. I was going to ask that question. Of all of the ones, is this actually the best one? The che- is the cheapest of this 110th anniversary run actually the one you would buy? And then compare this to the fact that you could buy this or you could buy a Swifty Fathoms for basically the same price. Is there oh. any sensible person that goes and buys the plastic watch instead of, of the Seiko 5? Well, I'm not sure about Metal sensible. so yesterday. Don't you know that? Yeah, I mean, this is a limited edition. This is 6,000 pieces. <laughs> so a genuinely limited edition. <laughs> anyway, so, oh, so we're laughing because most non-limited edition watches, six thousand of them aren't actually made. Yes, <laughs> yes, but they will actually make six thousand of these, I think, and they will sell them all. I suspect it's a lovely-looking watch. Go and check out the review of the launch of all of these. I just wanted to tell that I was looking, I was browsing uh, a couple of minutes ago, Chrono Twenty Four, for something that I would rather buy than a seven hundred dollar. A flipped Blompon swatch, mm-hmm. um, and I found the Citizen Promaster that has a blackened titanium case, titanium bracelet, loomed dial, the whole thing, and the watch is still an automatic, so it's not a quartz, and it has a day and the date display as well. So it's it's all if you the can watch fix you the movement, I don't want it. It what uh, <laughs> you can throw you it can out. Fix I mean, you don't have to don't fix want it. You, you, can still, you can still trash it. Bin the whole thing. I think the good thing is the message is if your Blanc Pond and Swatch uh, Fifty Fathoms breaks, you just throw it in the ocean. That's the Literally, that's the message. That's the only right. Return way to get it rid to of the it. sea. 
<laughs> it will disintegrate within 18 years, just <laughs> deposited to any one of the seas, doesn't matter. And nature will nature will uh, take its course that's, over time. That's the that, that would have been funny. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's depressing, but funny. I will share for David on the screen my uh, eBay find of the week, which is this Ulysse Nardin. It is... $420. Oh. I'm assuming it's real. I don't know enough about the history, but it looks cool. Chocolate brown chronograph, 38 mil for the same price as a plastic watch. Don't forget that the, the listing on eBay says for collectors, exclamation mark. That, that's, <laughs> that's how I buy all my stuff. I just search for collectors. If it's in the listing, then I'm interested. If it's not, then I'm not interested. <laughs> so there you go. There are still gems to be found on eBay for sure. Ariel, you did a watch review of the Gerald Charles Maestro 8 Squeletti. This is growing on me, this brand, or the shape of this particular watch. Are we are we starting to see collectors and watch enthusiasts really get behind this rather unique uh what was described as a well who who was the who was the director that directed the birds? And all those scary movies. Hitchcock? Hitchcock. This is the Hitchcock watch. It looks like the silhouette of Alfred Hitchcock. Like big chin. It does? Yeah, the, the big chin, big jowl. The the bottom of the watch is the jowls and the chin. Oh, I mean, so if you say go. so. So there we go. What did you think of this? Is, is this taking off? Um, I don't know what the community is sort of all about, but once enough people wear this watch, I think that a good amount of them will be like, yep, this is cool. This is a very compelling case shape that Gerald Genta originally designed uh, basically to play a trick on your eyes. And the trick is, what is it? It's not round. It's not square. It's not a cushion. It's got various different, you know, uh, you know, turns to it. It sort of had these steps on it. It's got this sort of like double bezel. Um, he liked just at that point in his career, just like screwing with people. He's like, I've done all the basic <laughs> shapes. I need to create more shapes. And that's really what was going on. So he created this shape for his Gerald Charles brand, and uh, he sold the brand a couple of years after he founded it, but he stayed on as the head designer until his death in 2011. And this watch is based upon an actual drawing that he did that turned to life um, in collaboration with Octavio Garcia, uh, who has the Gorilla Watch brand and who also used to work at Audemars Piguet. Um, where he also worked with Gerald Genta stuff. So this is, you know, in a very similar way to IWC and the Ingenieur, the new one that they came out with, it's an original design from Gerald Genta that other designers need to come aboard and tweak to make it, you know, a, a real watch. <laughs> um, and in the case of Gerald Charles, they they built a whole brand around um, what was a brand that was always very, very niche. Um, I, I love wearing this shape. It's fun looking. It's nice looking. This skeleton version is quite expensive. But if you're someone that just wants a neat looking watch... Uh, that I think is going to last a long time and you're interested in being a bit of an early adopter. Um, this is really cool because, again, the case shape is fun. It's definitely not for everyone. It's flashy, but in more of an artistic versus a showing off kind of way. So, again, not trying to suggest this is for everyone. If you don't like it, I get it. But um, this is definitely a brand to look at for people that like that little bit of extra attention and again just are are artistic in that way and love how different shapes give them different emotions honestly based on the pictures i've I, i've 
you know, this is such a turn off for me. Um, but looking at it on the wrist, it's something that I'm sure is a whole lot of fun to wear. It's, it's something you buy for yourself, hopefully. Um, and yeah, I could see myself wearing this and, and having a lot of fun uh, with it. And just looking at the way that the case is structured, I love this multi-tier. Uh, execution the way that it's layered basically it's basil on top of a basil and then you know it's just like it's a complex shape i i like the skeletal movement i'm just not sure i see sixty three thousand eight hundred dollars worth of value in here but i'm sure a lot of happy collectors will be wearing this around for collectors <laughs> yeah this is for collectors in inverted commas cool well go check that out give us your opinion obviously contact the show uh, podcasts at a blog to watch.com also get onto the chat or, or if you're listening on spotify and take part in the polls and the questions we have some great responses from the last couple of weeks to our hit miss maybes online we'll maybe run through some of them next week but we're going to play a quick closing show round of hit miss maybe so first up and we'll need to make this quick is the Zenith Chronomaster Original Black Tricolor Dial Watch. Ariel, hit miss maybe for the Zenith. Too too small for me. Beautiful looking. Uh, I like something a little bit bigger. It, it's a maybe. Again, it's nice looking, but it's not for my anatomy. Yeah, I think I would be exactly <laughs> the same. Absolutely love it. Just make it a bit bigger, please. David? Uh... I like it. It's it's a maybe just for the simple reason that I, I reviewed the uh, what was called the Zenith um, Primero Original 1969, which was a watch made in 2015, not in 1969. But the proportions and the case shape and, the, and and all the rest of it and the dial layout and the colors and that watch were bang on, absolutely perfect. And this is cool in a 60s, 70s kind of way, but not as nice as that one was. But a one tenth of a second chronograph, sign me up. So, mm. you know what? I will make this a hit. Cool. I, I think I, I do wonder whether on the bracelet it might wear actually a bit bigger than its 38mm dimensions, but we'll maybe get a chance to see that at some point. Okay. Tag Heuer, another chronograph. Tag Heuer Carrera Chronosprint Porsche watches. Any better or worse than the Zenith? Your pick, David? Hitmas, maybe? It's, it's the biggest hit in a long time, not just from tag, but from all chronographs. I think this is this is a fantastic watch. It's a very cool feature that the chronograph hand runs faster for the first nine seconds or so, and then it slows down around the dial. It's it's uh, it's playful. Um, it's mechanically interesting, and it's it's very tech warrior. Um, and, you know, long time no see something like that from tag, and this is this is just excellent. So this watch, you need to go and look at the article. But basically, for the first nine seconds the hand well, it's difficult to explain the scale is bigger so the hand runs slower which means if you stop it in the first nine seconds you can more accurately read the period that has elapsed i'm assuming once the first it, minute has a non-linear non-linear that would be the way that would be the way of describing it well done ariel thank you for that but but my question is i presume once it gets round a full dial it then slows down again like it's not that it yes. only works that way for the first sixty seconds. It, no, it, no, no. it continually as it goes round, it's got this kind of it's almost got a cam it's... in it that that uh, you yes. know that, that that moves it faster and slower as it goes round. So that would be quite cool to see it kind of speeding up and slowing down. I, I do get a little bit of reservoir watch vibes off of it, but it's Maybe. very nice. It's a it's a hit for me, Ariel. For you, 
I think the concept is great. I mean, this is the chrono sprint is not a new concept. Um, it looks very attractive. It is, you know, it takes that that latest Carrera look with the box crystal that we all like. I'm not a Porsche owner. If I was, then maybe it would be cool to have that big Porsche on there. Um, so for this particular version, you have to be a pretty big Porsche fan um, mm. for that. But again, there are other versions of this. So I, I, I'd say it's definitely a hit. But I think personally, it'd be a little bit weird to wear this big Porsche thing not being a, like a Porsche owner because otherwise there's really no you know Porsche thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And finally for today... Panerai unveils five Navy SEAL collection watches. Okay, what do we think about this collection in general? I, I'm a Panerai fan, I confess, I admit it. <laughs> and th- this is a hit all day long. This look, these look really cool. But what did you guys think? Hit, miss, maybe, Ariel? Um, You know, there's like a 13-year-old boy in all of us <laughs> that loves all these, <laughs> right? Uh <laughs> These are some of the most juvenile <laughs> Panerite what you I've oh, seen yes. in a really long... And I don't say that in a bad way. <laughs> I just say, like, there's another world where there's, like, a $10 toy that looks a lot like this. It says Navy SEALs on it, too. You know, it's again, we talked up. about Tonka trucks earlier and stuff like that. Like, this is, you know, <laughs> this is what they should have had in plastic by Swatch, right? Oh, yes. This is, this is when Swatch are going... Do you think we could buy Panerai off of Richemont? Because this would work really well. I mean, That's if I cool saw app. this sold at Toys R Us when I was a kid, it would totally make sense. Yes. I wouldn't bat an eye. And, and I don't say that in a bad way, but like these are the most toy-looking Panerais I've seen <laughs> maybe ever. <laughs> so is that a hit, a miss, or a maybe? It's, it's a hit if you have that much FU money, right? Because to buy a toy at non-toy prices is totally FU money. Listen, we're all, but all the wristwatches we buy, Ariel, are toys. Let's just face it. It's yeah, just big boys. Yeah, but this one basically says Mattel on the cu- on the front of it, okay? <laughs> this is this is the natural conclusion to being into Tonka trucks is buying one of these. David, tip this maybe. Well, I think it's, it's a hit in the sense that you have to take Panerai somewhere. There has to be a direction. It can't always and forever be the regurgitation of those three or four or however many actually legitimate historic Panerai watches, you know. And if, if there's a new direction, then I think this, this more or less, um, you know, fits that. Um, it, it, it's cool. $1,700 for the most expensive one that is the most toy looking of them all. It says time to target an orange on it. And there's three <laughs> pushers and the crown, like your, like on your favorite Seiko, you know? So it's like, uh, mechanically it's interesting. I, I like the worn, made worn cases. It's, it's, it's hilarious. It's cool. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how it's long. It's almost a pastiche of a bunch of things that we like about like yes. modern sport military watches. Yeah. yeah, I'm just not sure how long until the novelty wears off of these. But, uh, but yeah, whatever. Okay, so, so in conclusion, which wears off first, the novelty of this Panerai watch or the novelty of Blancpain Swifty Fathoms? Oh, it's a, it's a, oh. it's a hat-to-hat race. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Well, go and comment on those releases. Uh, We'll maybe put the Panerai one into the chat on Spotify. You can tell us if it's a hit, a miss, or maybe as a collection for you. Thank you all very much for joining us this week. We will speak to you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye.